we, we delivered it to this house. This, this mom and her two daughters just came out of homelessness. We walked into this house. They had literally a milk carton with a heating plate on it with, I think it was either soup or you know, SpaghettiOs. That was it. You know, we walked into this little girl's room. Actually, she, she, she drug us into her room. She was really excited. And Jacob, we walked in there. There was a pile of clothes in the corner. There was some raggedy old dolls. Uh, she slept on the clothes in the corner. That was what she slept on. You want to talk about pulling on the heartstrings. We brought we brought this bed in and the, the mom fell apart. The little girl wouldn't stop hugging us. She actually hugged and kissed the bed. And we walked out from that delivery and got in the truck. We kind of sat. I don't think we said anything to each other for, seemed like forever. You sit there and think, is this really what some of these kids, the conditions, are these, is this really what they live in? And the thought came to me, I'm like, man, we just spent a couple of hours each night for three or four nights that my family, we built this bunk bed to, to, to provide something like that a need to, to supply a need like that, that's well worth our time. From the nonprofit organization Orphan Aid Liberia, this is the Love Period Podcast, a show about the stories of leaders, creators, groundbreakers, and pioneers who are leading movements or organizations who have a focus on serving other people who at some point they had to lift up their anchor, step out in faith, step out into the unknown to get them where they are today. I'm your host, Jacob Burson, and on this episode of the Love Period Podcast, we talk to founder and director of Sleep and Heavenly Peace, Luke Mickelson. Luke and his team at Sleep and Heavenly Peace in Twin Falls, Idaho, started out with a simple act of service a few years ago, building 11 bunk beds for children in need in their community. Last year, Luke and his team were surprised when Mike Rove from the hit TV show Dirty Jobs and his crew showed up for their new show called Returning the Favor to profile Sleep and Heavenly Peace. The momentum that built from that show really lit a flame for Luke and his team, and it really lit a flame for people across the country to get an idea of what Sleep in Heavenly Peace was doing. Built a lot of momentum, so much so that Luke and his team was recognized. He personally was recognized as one of CNN's top 10 heroes in 2018. I was lucky enough to connect with Luke just before things took off for those guys at Sleep in Heavenly Peace. And it's been awesome this past year in 2018 to watch what's been going on with them, their organization, and with Luke personally there as well. They have a simple motto, no kid sleeps on the floor in our town. That's an amazing concept and something that I think all of us can rally around and get behind. So let's get dialed in. Let's get ready. Get back in your seat. Let's get your mind right. And let's listen to a story about a guy who went in his garage, heard a need in his community, went in his garage, built a couple of bunk beds for some children in his community who were sleeping on the floor, that then eventually launched into an organization in his community that now has 137 chapters across the nation in 40 states, and it's expanding every single day. It's literally, they are literally changing the lives of thousands of children, providing thousands of beds, all from a guy who decided to build a bed one day in his garage simply amazing. So join me today in this conversation with Luke Mickelson. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Love Period Podcast, episode number seven. This is Jacob Burson. I've got Luke Mickelson online. He is, to me, a brother from another mother <laughs> when it comes to the 
to what Luke and his organization does at Sleep in Heavenly Peace. Luke, how are you? I'm good. Great. Thanks, Jacob. Yeah, the first time I connected with you, uh, it was uh, it was had to have been over a year ago. It was through you know the Facebook video that kind of went around, and somebody had posted on my wall that when they saw the title of the video, they thought that they were about to watch a video that was me. <laughs> Because, oh, really? of, because of the similarities of what we kind of do here with providing beds and furniture to homeless folks. And then when I watched it, I was like, that guy, though, sleep in heavenly peace is nailing it. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's always good to, to, to meet a fellow, a fellow woodworker. And I probably calling me a woodworker is probably a disgrace to the woodworker name, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I I'm, you know, being an average Joe out there that just likes to take wood and, and form it to something else. Um, you know, uh, it, it's great to meet someone that, that shares that like passion. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into sleep in heavenly peace of those folks. So the folks who don't know, they're going to learn today what you guys do there. But before we get started, we yeah. kind of stretch out that we get the calisthenics go and we get a little loose. We get that brain matter kind of moving around because <laughs> I don't know about you, but guys like me kind of need a, I need a warm up to make sure I'm going to say all the correct things in my vernacular. And I, sure. I can't, I can't spell vernacular, but I'll take a shot yeah. at it. <laughs> all right. Luke, no problem. You ready? I'm ready. Fire okay. Away. What was your first car? It was a Ford Topaz. Hmm. And, uh, my mom, I was raised by a single mom. And so, um, she spent, she spent, to, to, to us, it was a, it was an expensive car. Yeah. Ford Topaz. Um, and what I remember the most about this car was it was a standard. Yep. So, uh, not a lot of people have standards nowadays and in a very, very high school sports theme, I of course took the, uh, the ball off of the, off the gear shift and I put one of my home run baseballs nice. on there. So then I, that, that earmarked it as my car. <laughs> okay. All right. So this isn't on the list, but for Topaz, you get in the car, which CD are you going to first? Ooh, good question. Probably Collective Soul. Huh. okay. All yeah. right. Love Collective Soul. You know? and, the, and you you grew up in Idaho, right? Yeah, Twin Falls, or actually Kimberly, Idaho, which is a suburb of of the the raging metropolis twin falls of 40,000 people we right. we uh we were at a i think at that time 3,000 people in Kimberly it was a pretty small town so you were fair enough to say you were very close to the grunge movement <laughs> yeah you're right in the middle of it so okay. right in the yeah yeah right in the middle of it yeah collective soul that'll work that's a good call okay there you go a childhood moment that you can share with us where you were scared the most Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, it's funny cause I love scary movies, but, um, I used to, when I was really young, for whatever reason, um, I'd go down, we had a basement. And so I would go in the basement. Remember it was just me and my siblings and my mom worked, um, a lot of hours. Um, I remember going to my basement and I would try to make the atmosphere as scary as I possibly could. Um, <laughs> I watched it. I watched a movie called Candyman. Mm. Um, I, I have actually watched it since and I laugh because it's, oh, it was, it's, it's terrible, but, yeah, uh, so goofy. <laughs> but when you're a nine year old kid all alone, um, I, I ran over to my neighbor's house 
because uh, I was so scared. <laughs> so. That was Candyman was the first, I think, because, you know, we weren't, my parents didn't let me watch horror movies when I was a kid. And I yep. think Candyman was the first horror movie that I saw at the movie theater. And it's probably did the damage to what is still with me today. <laughs> you know, what's funny is you and I are alike because, I mean, of course, my parents, my mom would never let me watch something like that. And I couldn't even tell you how I got it. But uh, it was, you know, that was very a risky move for me. So it was I wanted to make it what it, what I could of it. And uh, yeah, it changed me. Yep. <laughs> it yep. was a scary Scary movie. Yeah, I still can't say Candyman three times and look in the oh, mirror. Oh, I can't either, buddy. <laughs> yeah, forget about that. <laughs> yep, yep. All right, if, if you could spend an afternoon with anyone, alive or dead, who would it be? You know, I um, I would I would want to spend it. My grandpa Mickelson, mm. um, unfortunately, I didn't get to know him very well. Uh, but Clark Mickelson has quite the story in Southern Idaho. Um, my, my real dad, my, uh, Willard Mickelson, my biological dad, um, was a great guy. Um, he struggled his, his whole life with a lot of uh, personal issues and whatnot. But, um, but my grandpa, I didn't get to know him very well. Cause I was, I was young and he had, he had died. He had some heart issues. Yep. But the stories that people have told me about him, the quality of guy that he was, I've always wished that if I could rewind time or go back in time and and visit with him and learn some of the things that made him who he was, um, that would that would that would be a dream of mine well, for sure. Yeah, it's a pretty consistent theme. I it's I think those of us the age that we're at, a lot of those guys were those World War II vet, just the salt okay. of the earth type men and. We get that answer a lot from folks that grandparents were such a huge influence on us. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, so this question could have two answers, but if you could call your from today, if you had a time machine phone, if you could call yourself in the year 2000 or the year 2040, which version of yourself would you call and have a conversation with? Well, 2040... If I'm still alive, right? Um, it, it would be it'd be great to learn what's ahead of me. Um, you know, maybe understand the the woes of what might come. Um, but if I could call my 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 twenty uh, my two thousand guy um, myself, um, boy, I would just tell him to enjoy life you know, uh, stop worrying about so much. If there's one thing, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in the, later on, but if there's one thing that SHP has helped me understand, um, and helped me appreciate is the value of what we do at the time, the value of, of basically life that we live. I, I spent too much of my professional career worrying about what I thought was success, um, you know, money and, and where, what the things that I had possessions I had. And, uh, boy, I would go back to my own self and say, you know what, bud, don't waste your time worrying about that kind of stuff. Just enjoy your relationship you have with your family. Enjoy the relationship you have with your friends and uh and really just enjoy yeah. life you know 
<clears throat> well, that's, that's tough to pick out which one you'd want to talk to. I'd want to talk to both of them. Yeah. The same thing is it'd be yeah. nice to know what's coming. <laughs> yeah, it would be. <laughs> all right, look, this is where we kind of shift in the podcast and we get to what the love period podcast is all about is we're looking to see those steps of faith, those times where people lifted the anchor, so to speak, and went out into the left the port and went and kind of went out and into the unknown, stepped out in faith. So if you could tell us a story or stories about that moment for you, either a several moments or that moment for you where you really stepped out in faith, stepped out into the unknown to pursue something you felt like you were called to. Well, um, you just explained how SHP started. Um, you know, when, <clears throat> when I was, um, I, gr- growing up, I've always felt like I, uh, I always wanted to succeed at whatever I was doing. You know, you, you, you want to be the best sports guy at the time, or you want to, if I was going to, it drives my wife crazy. When I get on a project, I cannot think about anything else until that project's done. And of course I want to do the best, right? <laughs> Um, and I always wanted to volunteer. I want, always wanted to help people. Um, you know, I served a mission for my church. Um, I always wanted to be, uh, what I thought was a good guy. I always wanted to be the good guy. Well, for me, um, and I don't share this with a lot of people actually, but for, for me, SHP, um, was, um, was the, the tipping scale, if you will, or the, or the, the scale I needed to know if I was still a good guy. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, when SHP started, it was 2012 when I built that first bunk bed. Well, I had spent three years previously of that really struggling with myself, struggling with my own faith, uh, my, my belief in God. Um, and, and for those people that have gone through that, and I think everybody to some degree has, but when, when, when people go through that, for me anyways, I really felt like I, I was forgotten. Um, I felt alone. Um, my, I, did, I didn't tell my family or, or anybody. I really struggled with why do I have such this, why do I have this doubt? Because, um, you know, guess what? Bad people have doubt, right? Or at least that's what I thought. And, and um, so I, here I was spending my what I thought my whole life, I dedicated time out of my own life to serve a mission. I, I always tried to do the right thing. I always tried to give back. Why do I feel this way? Um, and I couldn't help, Jacob, I couldn't help to, but feel like um, I, was this, I was a bad guy. Like Satan had grabbed me and, and uh, had control over me and was, was leading me down a dark path. And... Um, at the time, I was still very, I mean, I was still very heavily involved with church, and, and, uh, and I was over this youth group, um, uh, basically a Boy Scouts group, but um, a, a, youth, a, a boys uh, youth group, and this opportunity came about. And when we did the service project, when we built that first bunk bed, um, it was such a great experience. The thought, I remember distinctly, sitting on my couch, the thought came to me and I said, it, it was Luke, no matter what you believe, no matter whether you think you're a good guy or a bad guy, whether you need to go to this church or that church, that doesn't matter because what you did there, building a bed for a child, 
no one can argue as that being a a bad thing to do. You know, that's what that's what a good guy would do. And that's what a loving entity or deity would want you to do. And so it was it was for me, it was a validation. This at least to start out with is a validation that you know what, at least this is something that I know I can do because I know it's the right thing to do. Yes. Yeah. That's, it's interesting that you say that you were kind of, it sounds, so you were in a struggle with faith while in a position, while leading, while being active in your faith. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. You know, you're always, I was always struggling to try to get that back. I, I, I wanted to get back to where I was, you know, the previous years and, 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 and enjoy that, 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 good feelings and enjoy, have the confidence that what I'm doing is right. And I wanted that. And, um, you know, and I'd, and I'd lost it. And, uh, so I was, Oh, you know, I, at first you kind of, for me anyways, and I know that's not what this podcast is about, but for me, I, I always felt like the more I studied and the harder I prayed and the, the more good I do in the world, um, that that would, that would come back or, or the, the more time I'd served in my church and, you know, did my callings and things of that nature, it, I would get that feeling back and it would come and go, I think, but I never was able to, to felt like to, to really come back to what I had before. Yeah. When you were struggling and looking for those, those places to serve, do you feel like that maybe that that was an exchange possibly like you were, because when you were speaking into those things, I could kind of relate my relate myself to kind of going through that as well of doing certain activities, looking for some kind of feel good piece for me. In that I am like you kind of say, almost like checks in the box of, um, for us reading scripture, being involved in church, things that we would measure as good, and then looking for not intentionally but looking for that kind of comfort from doing those things and then and then kind of when those things are done still feeling a big piece of big a big emptiness yeah you know i i I studied with my family um quite a bit i you know and i think what where that comes from jacob is is i think that uh, those those events affect people in different ways it may be different stages of life um uh you know I, i i was the same way i I, you know, I'd serve wherever I could. I'd love to go out and, um, you know, help people move. That was mm. a big one. And, and, and we, we went and built a, a, a ramp for, um, a lady and her daughter that had a wheelchair for her house. And I love those things. I felt really fulfilled when I went out there, when I'd go and, and, you know, just go to church and, or read scripture or listen to talks or things of that nature some people would be extremely touched by those and it would, it would support their, their, their faith and their testimony. But, but, but for me, um, it didn't affect me the same way. I, I was always a very hands-on type of guy. I, I didn't feel like if I wasn't helping someone else, if I was just trying to help myself um, by, by reading someone else's words, um, it just didn't touch me the same way. Um, again, it kind of goes back to, I don't, I don't want to sit and watch a movie or sit and read a book when I know I could actually go out and do something with my hands, interact with another human being 
um, that's my heaven on earth, you know, is to be able to work with and, and, and uh, socialize and connect with someone, um, someone with me, someone here, someone um, alive and, and, uh, and struggling the same way, the same way we all are, yeah. you know, um, in ways. And it was just much, so much more fulfilling. And so when SHP came about, um, it was just right down my wheelhouse. <laughs> that first bunk bed, this is, <clears throat> this is what's interesting. So, so that was one of those moments for a shift for you to where you felt did at the time, did it feel like that you had found it? You know, it, in a way, maybe on a small scale. Yeah. It, I didn't know what I was holding on to, or, or at least what I found, right. Uh, what I, what I found at the time, was fulfillment and reassurance that um, that this is a good thing to do. This helps me feel good. It helps me realize that hey, I am a I am a good guy. That if I'm whatever I'm battling internally, faith wise, um, this is going to do nothing but promote that. Um, and so uh, when I when we built that first bunk, um, I I had I didn't even know what to do. I didn't know what to do with it. Right. I just. We, we had that experience with the group, with the youth group. We built it. It was to satisfy a need um, that a family had. I'd love to do that. I did, I did stuff like that before with the, with the scouts and the youth group. But what it was when I got home and, and sitting with my kids and thinking about their future faith-wise as well as career-wise, again, kind of thinking about talking to myself 10 years ago at the time, you know, I wanted to, I wanted my kids to have a better focus um, and certainly not run through the same struggles. Maybe I was faith wise. That's when it kind of hit me, you know? And so we, I, I said, let's go. We're, we're going to go out. We're going to build this bed together as a family. We had a great act, opportunity or great activity with the, with the scouts, but I want it for my family. So we built that bunk bed with no intention or not, not, not no intention, just no idea where to keep where to give it. Um, and it was the, it was the satisfaction of, of working with the family, um, and working towards something that wasn't, um, uh, something that was for someone else. Um, that, that service aspect, it wasn't until we delivered it that we, we delivered it to this house, this, this mom and her, two daughters just came out of homelessness. We walked into this house. They had literally a milk carton with a heating plate on it with, I think it was either soup or you know, SpaghettiOs. That was it. That's right. all they had in this little two bedroom house that they were so grateful they got. Um, you know, we walked into this little girl's room. Actually, she, she, she drug us into her room. She was really excited. Um, she didn't know what, what we were there for. She was just going to show us her nice room. And Jacob, we walked in there. There was a pile of clothes in the corner. There was some raggedy old dolls. Uh, she slept on the clothes in the corner. That was what she slept on. Um, and she was excited to show us that she had this house. And I tell you what, I mean, you want to talk about, uh, you know, uh, pulling on the heartstrings. Yeah. We, brought, we brought this bed in. and. The, the mom fell apart. The little girl wouldn't stop hugging us. Mm. She actually hugged and kissed the bed and, and, and was 
be, I mean, she was beyond excited and the mom was just um, in tears. You know, we walked out from that delivery and got in the truck. It was me and my wife and my, um, my cohort and partner in crime here, Jordan Allen. Uh, we kind of sat, I don't think we said anything to each other for, seemed like forever. Um, you know, and, and you sit there and think, is this really what some of these kids, the conditions, are these, is this really what they live in? Yeah. You know, and, and the thought came to me, I'm like, man, we just spent, it was a couple of hours each night for three, four nights that my family, we built this bunk bed to, to, to provide something like that, a need to, to supply a need like that. That's well worth our time, you know? And so it, it, at that point, it validated um, even more the feeling that I that I was searching for of a way to connect back with with my spiritual side, my faith side of 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 my soul, if you will. You know, <laughs> being punched in the face with the need in your direct community that that really shifts your perspective about what's important and what you're what you're called to do. And it was, I heard somebody say it not too long after that of, and it, it kind of, it resonated with me was to, we, we sometimes get stagnant in our action because we don't feel like we're qualified. And the reality is, is we should execute on the 10% of scripture that we do know and worry <laughs> about the other 90% while we're taking action on the, on the little bit that we do know. Yeah. 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 yeah well, that was huge. So that's. And, yeah, go ahead. And, well, as I was just saying, and as you as you well know, you know, you you quickly we quickly found out that that was not the only situation <laughs> that uh, that was around. The yeah. you know the need was much greater than we had ever thought, um, and so with just a little bit of time and a little bit of research and awareness, um, yeah, we discovered that that mom and her two little girls were not the only ones in our small little magic Valley community here in twin falls of only about 50,000 people. There was need all over the place. Right. That's right. Yep. It's, it's pretty amazing. So the first bed that you guys built was 2012. Correct. Mm -hmm. All right. So at that moment in 2012, you kind of found a, let's call it a a purpose, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, What did that, did you feel like at that time that that was going to lead to anything of not that you, not that we would lead to today, but did you think that that moment was leading to where sleep and heavenly peace would be two years later or whatever that timeline was like? Not at all. I mean, uh, you know, when, when we built the first one, we delivered it. Um, we, we came back and um, I remember me and my wife had this conversation that, uh, that was an amazing experience. I can't believe that. And I said, you know, I think we could probably do a little more. And she's like, okay, yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, you know, it'd be a kind of a Christmas activity. Um, I know, I know how to build the bunk now at this, at this time I had built two of them, you know? Um, so I said, let me go find out. So we went around, we went to some stores, we went to home Depot. That's usually was the go-to store for me. Um, and they really couldn't help us much. I went to Lowe's. And Lowe's, the, the, the manager, um, was phenomenal. I mean, he looked at me, told me, I knew him a little bit through another association. Um, he said, Luke, 
50% off anything you want to buy. And I said, you're kidding me. And so we spent, that's when I called my wife. I said, okay, you're going to hate me. <laughs> but uh, I think we spent like $800. It was our total Christmas fund. Um, and we got uh, what would be nine more bunk beds. We, we bought wood for, and, and at that point, then we started to get in some of my close friends, Jordan and um, a guy named Carl Weeks. They, they started coming in because they wanted to build with us. And, and so we ended up through the next course of a couple of weeks, we built these and built sand and stained these other nine bunk beds. And we wanted to deliver them before Christmas. And, and we did. And it was, it was a great, awesome holiday season. And after it was done, we just said, you know what? Let's do this every year. This would be a fun Christmas activity for our families. And uh, so that's how it started. Um, but <laughs> the progression of finding more and more people in need and, and the second mission of SHP came into light. And that was we had a community of people that were like us that wanted to do something, wanted to give back, like we were talking earlier, but just didn't know how. And didn't and the places that they did give back to, they just didn't get the same fulfilling experience as they did or would do building beds. And so we ended up starting doing more builds, you know, one or two through the year instead of just at Christmas time, which then one and two turned into six or eight, which turned into, hey, can I do this in my area in San Diego, in Minnesota? And uh, sure, why not? We'll, we'll teach you how to do it to where we're at today. All right. So the, when you built the first bed in 2012, timeline-wise, when did you become, an, when did you take the step to become an official nonprofit? So 2000, we built in 2012 in my garage. 2013, um, uh, my friend Jordan Allen, he's our chairman of the board now, he started the Boise chapter, which really wasn't, we didn't call it chapters at the time. It was, hey, let, I want to do this with my family at Christmas time up in Boise. <laughs> so we did that. But after that was done, it was 2000, January 2014. We said, you know what? Instead of financing this all by ourselves, and we started to get in other friends and family that would donate some money. Um, we said, you know what, let's be, if we, if we become a nonprofit, which we didn't know what that really meant. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, if we, if we become a nonprofit, then these donations can be a write off and maybe we can get some other donations. So we spent that whole year, I spent that whole year working towards, um, getting our 501c3 and we, we became official November 28th, 2014. So, so January 2014 is when you guys start the ball rolling for a nonprofit. November rolls around. You're a you're an official nonprofit organization. <clears throat> yeah. And if you were just kind of knowing what I've kind of stepped through myself the past several months, if you were to, because <laughs> I'm right there with you, if you were to be there in January 2014 and you'd have had a couple grand to drop, you could have given it to a lawyer and they could have got you your nonprofit status in a in a couple of months. <laughs> well, the thing I would was imagine. Yeah, go ahead. The thing was, Jacob, we only built at Christmas time. So we had all right. year. So we, you know, we slow rolled it. We, sure. we had, all of us had jobs, you know. Uh, right. You know, we talked about it in January, but I, I, I mean, I think I talked about it with my 
my uh, CPA when I was doing my tax returns in February saying, Hey, we, you know, we want to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I think I followed up through the course of the year, but we really didn't, we really didn't go after it because it wasn't, it was just something we were going to do at Christmas time. And it wasn't until 2015 that um, I had a couple of, um, of my scouts at the time. This was getting a little bit more known in the community. We had been on the, in the paper, we'd been on the news and, and one of them said, Hey, can I do this as an Eagle Scout project? And I'm like, sure, why not? You know? And so uh, we did a couple of these little builds outside of Christmas. And all of a sudden I had people say, Hey, um, are you building beds outside of Christmas? And I said, well, you know, we kind of talked about it. We thought about it. Uh, why do you want to build beds? Oh, my company would love to. And that's when I was like, okay, um, you know, I have a full-time job. We all had full-time jobs. What, what, is it, what would that look like if we just built on Saturdays? And so, uh, so yeah, we, 2015, um, we did, I think we did five or six builds through the year. And then 2016, we did 14 builds through the year. And still, we only had the Boise and the Twin Falls chapter at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to hear how that, you know, a lot of a lot of times folks on one end, when they see an organization at a certain level, we see we see the current result. What we don't really get our minds wrapped around is is the baking. We see the end of the cake, so to speak. We don't see all of the mixing and ingredients yeah. and everything that kind of happens. Um, when you're working those, how much stress was on you when looking to looking to fill that block of accomplishing what it is you felt you were called to do? You're working two jobs at the time, if you're going to count the bed building as a job. And I <laughs> would imagine you're probably doing a lot of other things on the side as well. When you're meshing all of that together, how much how much stress is on your life at the time? Like, what are you feeling? What are you going through in those days? Well, you know, there was always, there was, the priority was always, I got to, I got to take care of my family. Unfortunately, we have bills and you got to pay for mortgages and all that. And, you know, so um, it was always a struggle for me because I wanted to do more with SHP. I knew I could, I had people that wanted to build and donate and, and schedule these build days. But, you know, I had a, I had a job. And um, so it was always kind of a frustration that, um, that I had to go to, <laughs> I had to go to work when I would really rather go and build bunk beds. And I think at the time my employer knew that um, he was very, they were very willing to work with me for a while um, until uh, you know, they, the, these, these chapters started to come on board and, you know, and at that time they, um, uh, uh, we, we were really busy. It's a great company. Um, I, I was looking to be part ownership of it and, and there were some, there were some good benefits for me on that side, but I knew either way, one of the two masters I was trying to serve was, was going to have to suffer. Um, and it, it wasn't going to be any fair to them or to SHP trying to trying to walk this fence line. And so um, so we were faced with a, my wife and I were faced with a very tough decision. Right. And I mean, if if you want to talk about stress and you want to talk about uh, <laughs> um, 
coming to a crossroads, you know, quit quitting a job that you have your life planned out for. I've been doing it for almost 20 years. It was my retirement. It was what I was going to do. Uh, I was set, um, to nothing. Um, mm. wow. Or, or I should say not nothing with just a, just a faith that SHP would grow to a point where it could, it could maybe sustain a salary for me. Um, cause I didn't have that. It was, it was stressful and, um, very, uh, as, as a, as a, as a dad, as a husband, the responsibilities that you faced, um, and I had faced this before and, and I just couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't think it was fair to my family, to my kids, to my wife, that I would put them and harm their current status of life just right. because I wanted to go. If it was just me, I'd freak. I'd just go live in a shack and build bunk beds. Sure. And it'd be, it'd be yep. great. But it, unfortunately, it wasn't just me. And and uh, I tell you what, one of the nah, – I'm not going to get emotional here. I'm trying not to. But <laughs> mm. one of the greatest experiences of my life was coming home to my wife um, I'd had, I had a talk with my employer. It was pretty much laid out that I needed to make a decision here. I had come to my life and I said, this is not a decision that I can make without, without you. And Jacob, my sweet wife, without a hesitation in her breath said, you have to do SHP. It is your passion and it's your calling. I don't <laughs> care if we live in a shack. And I tell you what, um, not a lot of wives would support their husband that way. Wow! Um, and I've got I've got the best one out there, and um, <laughs> and she, you know, and from then it, I tell you what, um, did we sacrifice? Yeah, taking a fifty percent, you know, well at the time a hundred percent pay cut, um, and and leaping out on into that into that unknown abyss. Um, I, it was much easier knowing that I had a partner like my wife to, to jump there with, wow. me, you know? Wow. Yeah. That's man. If I could tell you how similar that story you just told is to my 2018. Wow. Yeah. It was the same kind of step. I st- I was at Lockheed Martin for 17 years, had decided 2018 was my last year. I was going to go pursue something else. And when this opportunity with Orphan Aid Liberia came up, when my wife was on board, that was the sign. Yeah. I, it was one of those things I couldn't believe. Do you feel like that? So 2012, you build your first bed. What year was it that you took that step out? Um, so recently, well, recently anymore, um, I quit my job November 1st, 2017. So just what, a little over a year ago. So 2017, so 2012 is first bed. So you're looking at five years of, of executing your call before it's, it, that's really kind of an investment, but executing your call for five years before you took that step out into the unknown. Do you think that if you would have taken that step, do you think if you would have taken that step, let's say 2013, that the results would have been the same? I think, um, uh, it's, it's hard to say, you know, the, the, the growth of SHP was always hindered because, um, because we didn't have anybody that was doing it full time. We all had jobs. We were all trying to work around those jobs to try to move things forward. Um, and again, we still really didn't have, 
a vision. I mean, I had, a, I had dreams, right? Sure. But they, they were dreams and, and, um, but we really didn't see the vision of how much this would take on. And, and mainly that was because we just couldn't dedicate the time to it. I would like to think that if, if I would have quit in 2013 and dedicate solely to the growth of SHP, we would be in the exact same position. We'd be maybe a couple of years ahead, um, but we'd be absolutely be in the same position because the need didn't go away and the desire to serve and the desire for people to help their community and the kids in their community well, was always there, has always been there. Um, yeah. We would have just got it out a little sooner. And, and um, but, uh, but you know what? I'm grateful. I'm very grateful, very lucky, very blessed. Um, there's, there's another higher power here that's, that's leading this, um, no question. Because just as I look back, the timeline and the process of how things have come about has just been perfect. They just, I, right. I couldn't have drawn it up better. <laughs> so, right. And that's kind of one of those things. Yeah. That's kind of what I was, I would imagine that, that, that God's timing in this is perfectly timed while we could look back and say, man, if you'd have taken that step out in 2012, you could sleep in heavenly peace could be, you know, further down the line than maybe where you currently are. But all of the lessons learned while juggling different responsibilities between now and then probably also played a key factor in building the organization, but also being able to deploy this to other folks who are themselves in other chapters working other jobs, you can now relate to them in a way that is directly impacting them and where they're at, wherever they're at in the country. Well, I, I, I often thought that, let's say I did start in 2013 and it just didn't get going fast enough for me to be at least able to hold down some sort of living. I, I, who knows, you know, you might, I might've, I might've just had to finally throw in the towel and say, look, you know, that was a, that was a good dream, but mm. you know, it just didn't get the traction I wanted to. And, and then had to just go back to work and, and left it as a, as just a, a Christmas thing. Um, yep. So, you know, yeah, I, I contemplate that a lot. Uh, that's why I say, you know what? Um, if I were to go back and do it again, I, I don't think I'd roll the dice um, with starting it differently because of where it's at right now. And the, and the progression, how it got there was a very safe, methodic, um, but, uh, but in, in my opinion, very successful way of, of doing it. Cause like, exactly like you said, I can relate to companies or to, to um, chapters that are starting the position they're in. Um, I can share some stories about how, you know, how quitting jobs and, and refocusing life, um, how that has really changed me. And, and, uh, again, it goes back to, if I could go back to 2000 me, um, I, I think I would tell a much better story and give much better advice now than if I started SHP in 2013 and didn't go through some of these storms, you know? Was there anybody like it could be even when you were growing up as a kid, teenager, a, a family member, a coach? Was there somebody who kind of modeled, maybe walked this similar path when you were growing up that you may have learned from or this heart of service? Could you point to anyone or somebody or some or some people who you who you kind of saw with a heart of service who 
may have influenced you to to have this yearning to help those in need? No, no question. My my mom and I, and I I have no um, hesitation or embarrassment telling everybody I'm a mama's boy because <laughs> mm. <laughs> my mom was is the salt of the earth. I mean she um, she has been through some difficulty in her life. Um, raising five kids, um, raising me as a teenager was, was enough to put her straight to heaven. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, you want to talk about a person that thinks nothing, uh, of herself, more of her family, her kids, her, her community. Um, I, I know my mom would have loved to volunteer more than she could, but she had to work three jobs, you know, um, right. I, I get all of my compassion. I get all of my, um, uh, people pleasing, <laughs> uh, type of, uh, character from my mom. And, and she is, we have always been very, very close. Um, my brother, I had an older brother that was kind of out of the house when my parents divorced. And so I, 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 I was kind of the male figure in the home for a lot of years. Mm. And, uh, and because of that, we became very, very close and, and, you know, without, uh, unequivocally, my mom has, has always been that, uh, I always blame my, 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 uh, character, my giving character, my compassion on my mom, because she is, she was, uh, she was a perfect example of that. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge how important influences are. And brother, I can only tell you, your influence that you're having on your children now may not be something that you, <laughs> that we consciously think about while we're in the moment. But that influence, is that something you ever think about of maybe what your kids are watching while you're in these moments? Well, I hope so. You know, Jacob, I, I, one of the reasons why we started SHP was I wanted my kids to, to enjoy where I think, where I believe true joy comes from. And that's serving mm. others, you know. Um, and I see that. I, I think we have fabulous kids. Um, my oldest son, Riley, who's been, you know, involved from the very beginning, he was um, uh, nine at the time uh, when we started doing this. And he's been actively helps run builds and, and goes on deliveries. Um, you know, they're still teenagers, obviously. Um, but my, my son has no um, hesitation to go in and help, help a, 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 an elderly lady mow her lawn or, or, uh, you know, pick up trash or help move. He, um, I'm very proud that, that he is one of those first guys that, um, you know, very successful on the football field, but he'll be the first guy to pick up a guy that, that just tackled him or he just tackled. I mean, he's just that good of a kid. And my, and my daughter, Emma's the same way. And, and I would like to think that SHP, um, had, had a, a part in that, you know, um, and I, and I, I truly believe that. And I believe anybody, that's listening to this call. If I could share one thing, um, let me back up. I when when we were featured on Returning the Favor with Mike Rowe um, back in February, which was this Facebook series, we had a lot of our chapter presidents, the new new chapter presidents. They were in town doing some training with us. Well, one of the neatest experiences of that whole weekend, besides meeting Mike Rowe and getting filmed and all of that. The neatest experience was the night after what I thought was the end of the production. I didn't know that they were, <laughs> I didn't know that there was a whole building coming to us the next day, but 
that night, yep. we had all our chapter presidents around the table. None of these people had really met each other. They were all from all parts of the country. And our uh, Jordan Allen, our, our chairman of the board, stood up and asked a really fun question. He says, uh, I would like everybody to go around and answer two questions. The first one is, why did you get involved with SHP? And what has it done for you in your life? And Jacob, it was, it was one of the most spiritual experiences I've had in my life. They were, there were talk of saving marriages, saving family relationships, bringing kids, you know, uh, uh, closer to them, to, to each other. Um, and that's, that's, that was just a very neat experience. And, and I can, I can testify in my own family and others that I've seen that building and delivering these beds to people that need them, um, is, is a bonding exercise for any family, any mm. struggling relationship. Yeah. Um, it can do that. But what it sounds like what sleep and heavenly peace is doing, it's one of these organizations that is building community, not just with the people you're serving, but these chapters, these people serving together yeah. are building community with each other. Yeah. 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 We get, you know, and, and we get some people, we get quite a few people, a couple, couple times a week, probably, um, where people call in. They're like, you know what? I don't want to be a chapter, but I just want to help. Can you give me your plans? Cause I want to build beds for you. And we don't, we don't do that. We don't, we don't offer those plans or offer that program simply because of that rule. They don't, they're missing out and the community would miss out on an opportunity to volunteer. And, yeah. and you just, you just don't get that if you're going out in the garage building beds by yourself, it's not yeah. who we are. You know, right. we fulfill two main missions, which is getting kids off the floor and bringing the community together. Wow. And, uh, yeah. Hey, brother, y'all may not know this. Y'all are having church. <laughs> 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 you you that's you, you just preached that's community right there that's that's what it's all about is people connecting yeah. each other and people investing in each other people loving each other and coming together for a common cause man that's gosh yeah, that's right? there's a there's right? a big I mean, I, chunk of that's spiritual right there absolutely and and despite uh, sleeping Emily peace is not affiliated with any church or religion or political or what have you but with that being said um Whatever your religious belief is, mm. you, you know, I can tell you, and, and I don't think anybody would argue, you know that providing a bunk bed or providing a bed or a place to sleep for a child in need is the right thing to do. Wow. And no matter what your belief is, and, it, you know, if you are struggling with faith or you're struggling with, you know, your own internal turmoil stop looking at yourself start looking at how you can help others and shp if that's your mode that you would like to try we'd love to have you and and i promise you those feelings go go away you're talking to someone that's experienced it. those feelings go away you feel mm. closer to your entity that you feel closer to your deity um and you feel closer to yourself to your own soul um it gives you a purpose that uh, that otherwise is is not there. 
Wow, man, that's unbelievable. So you talk a little bit about Micro coming to town. That when how uh, that first contact when they reached out and reached out to you guys and told you guys that they were coming to town. Talk about that day. What was that? What was that you moment bet. like, knowing that you guys were about to be profiled? You bet. Well, it was really funny because part of the whole aspect of returning the favor is to hide it from the guy that they're profiling. So, you know, um, I, the, the story goes, I, we had just, SHP was kind of growing a little bit. Um, I, I could no longer run the twin falls chapter by myself. Um, we, we just had so many other things we were putting on some of these chapters. We were putting on a chapter about once a month. And so come about June of 2017, I just, you know, we just, I just couldn't do being a chapter anymore. I had to take on more of a, of a, uh, executive director role. And so I found a good friend of mine, asked him to be the Twin Falls chapter president. And he was ecstatic, him and his wife and they, and they're the current chapter president. Well, about a month later, um, he calls me, we were talking, he says, he made a funny comment that that you are about to blow up. And I'm like, what are you talking about? We're already blowing up. We're doing a chapter a month. I mean, this is crazy. He says, no, you have no idea. I can't say anything other than that. And I thought that was kind of weird. Well, that was, <laughs> that was like July or August. Well, come end of August, I get this strange phone call. And at this time I'm starting, you know, we were getting, I was getting people from different parts of the country as we put these chapters on different reporters that would call and just kind of, Hey, tell me your story. And, and, um, it was happening like once a month or once every other month. Well, I get this call from New York and this gal says, Hey, I would like, actually it was an email at first. I would like to speak with you, maybe video conference you in a interview. And I'm like, Oh, great. I've never done a video conference with a, with a person. And so, um, with a reporter. So we jumped on and, and she was very sweet talking about this, um, in internet magazine, um, whatever that was supposed to be, uh, which was a total lie, but <laughs> she said, you know, we're just doing this profile in SHP and want to get to know you. And I said, great, you know, this is it. And she says, okay, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get back to you on when it airs and all that. Well, I kind of forgot about it. And, uh, I was coming home from hunting. I was coming off the mountain from, from elk hunting and I get this call from New York and I just about didn't answer it. Cause you know, it's New York. I don't know anybody in New York other than maybe sometimes we get a call from, from people looking for a bed that we didn't have a New York chapter. I couldn't really help. Right. So I answer it and it was this gal, this, uh, this alley. Um, and she says, Hey, we, um, we looked at it. We would actually like to come out. We'd actually fly out and, and come and interview you to do a more in-depth story. And my first thought was two things. You're going to do what? You're going to fly? And it's we? <laughs> right. You know? yeah. Where are you from? And she's like, well, we're from New York. And I said, what? I mean, I thought it was amazing. I was, and so um, I kind of told her, you know, yeah, I'd love to have you come out. It's, they, they, they said it's going to be in the middle of November. And I said, oh, that's great. We've got a, we got a build going on down in Salt Lake. Why don't you fly down there and we can meet and I'll show you what a build looks like. And they said, no, no, no. We just want to come to your place where you started it. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I don't have really anything going on, but we'll figure something out. 
And so, uh, yeah, so I just knew that these, these, we, whatever we meant, more than two people, I guess, were going to come out and, and film us. So when they, when they did show up, um, I was kind of taken back because there was, uh, there was like three cameras and 14 people that showed up. It was a production, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I was kind of before they showed up. Uh, I mean, I, I only had two days of vacation left for the year with my employer. And so I had to go in and tell them, Hey, look, I, my, I am being told that I need to take Thursday and Friday off. I've got to take it off. Um, I don't know why other than I know I've got this, this film crew coming in and they may need some time, but I'm told I need to take that off. So that's why I took it off. And, uh, yeah, all of a sudden here's all these cameras and they did this little interview with me. Um, and then they wanted to take, um, and, and we, we actually had the time. Um, we had this training going on with all the chapter presidents, which I didn't realize was a big show just to get people here. I thought we were actually going to be doing a training. Um, yeah. Well, all of a sudden, then Mike, Mike, I turn around. There's Mike Rowe, and mm. what do you, I mean? What do you say? You know, I was right. like, "What are?" You? I mean, I was pretty quick to realize that um, there's there's something more to this than sure. than this inter, internet magazine that I was told. <laughs> right? And yeah. It was wow. Kind of, and it was kind of funny because when they were interviewing me, um, I knew something was a little kooky. Number one, with all the production there, and number two, every you know, like I asked once kind of, well, when would this air and what's this for? And I could tell that the answer was, was BS. <laughs> so <laughs> we kind of had this, we kind of had this understanding over the two days that they filmed. Don't ask because I know you're going to lie to me. So we didn't even ask each other. <laughs> here they're, here they're filming me and I don't yeah. ask one word about where's this going and how is this? And I don't know. It's pretty funny. Yeah, that's so, and we'll we'll point people to who haven't seen the video on Facebook. We'll, we'll on our show notes for the blog. We'll give some people some updates on how to go see that. So you have the big reveal. Tell tell us a little bit about that feeling of that moment on that when that when that time comes. I I just kind of going through these steps a little bit from a very small scale, knowing 2012 where you were when that moment comes as part of that particular that day, that episode, what's going on there? Oh my gosh. Well, when they, hmm. <laughs> um, when they pulled up that American flag and there was a sign made of SHP on a building, I, I lost it. Um, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, my wife's here making fun of me as I about to cry. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, all, the last five, six years just raced through my mind. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, we, I just quit my job. I had just pretty much was all in. Right. Um, right. I saw that and, um, uh, I, I just, I lost it because I was so overwhelmingly grateful um, and then when they rolled up the doors and I saw all those chapter presents coming out and I quickly realized that, that this was all 
premeditated. This was all planned out. There was people that were passionate about the same thing I was passionate about and was willing to support not just me, but to support the organization in the way that I always dreamed of. Um, my gosh, it was one of the greatest moments um, of my life anyways. And, uh, you know, to, and then to go in and, and I was so overwhelmed to, to see a building and to see groups of, and masses of people there willing to support us. It, it was just awesome. Wow. You know what I was thinking when you were talking about that and seeing the logo and, and, and knowing that you you have a background in athletics and sports, us guys are kind of weird about the significance of a logo, like it from a from a logo on a hat to the new uniforms that we get. So when you see that logo in an official, that is almost like being drafted in the first round and you're right. getting oh, your yeah. hat. But oh, you've yeah. been investing in this team for five years, and while that. Those five years, while all of that investment was there, that wasn't necessarily the finish line, but that had to have been just a huge moment of signification. Like this, we're here, we've arrived. Let's hit the ground running. Let's do some yeah. big things now. Well, you know, it's like when you go to a, you've seen the movie when you, you know, you go to a game and and you know you you play in the same football game, but it's that one game where you look up and there's you know there's your grandpa or there's your yeah. your mom or your dad that or your best friend or someone that you've always wanted to come. It, it's, it's just a crowning moment that validates all that you've done. Um, it, and it, it, it gives you the, you know, the best words of support. It gives you the support that you've, you've wished you had, you'd hoped you'd had, you realize now that you have, um, it was just, it was just overwhelming. You know, I, I, when, it, when you watch the episode, I first come out of the band and I'm, I'm, I'm obviously very grateful for the building. I was overwhelmed by all the people. It was just awesome. But as soon as I, it just hit me. As soon as I saw that, that, that flag reveal the sign and then those guys come out. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was pivotal for sure. So 2017, Micros in town. 2018, you guys, <laughs> CNN Heroes comes around and puts you on the list as a top ten CNN hero. Yeah, yeah right. What do you tell us you about that? that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the the hits just keep on coming. This is what you guys are in the middle of right now. Yeah, we. Uh, you know, when 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 we were filmed with returning the favor, RTF in November, it didn't air till February. I mean, so we, we, I had kind of talked to some of the other honorees um, to kind of get an idea of, Hey, what happened when your episode aired? What do we need to prepare for? And so, you know, we learned that, you know, you might have some donations, you, which actually wasn't as big as we were hoping or even thought, um, you know, you'll, but we, we thought that there was going to be a lot of apparel, like, you know, Hey, people are going to want to buy your shirts and stuff because we didn't, I mean, we didn't have anything like that. We didn't have a, we had a website, but it was kind of rinky dink and we didn't have any store or anything like that. So we quickly went into action to get that. Um, and then we heard that, you know, you'll get some people that maybe want to do other chapters. So we thought, okay, we need to put together a process where we can bring people chapters on because the process we had now at the time was pretty rinky dink. I mean, it was, you know, you know, Sam Jones over in, uh, Colorado wants to start a chapter. Okay, let's talk to him on the phone and see how 
let him know what we do and then we'll move forward. We didn't really have an onboarding process. So we put together what we thought was probably the best onboarding process. The problem was <laughs> we thought we'd get, you know, 20, 30 people nationwide. We got 2,000 nationwide wow. requests wow. for chapters. Wow. Yeah. And so we, <laughs> we, we, we thought we were going to put 20 chapters on in 2018. We put 32 on in June. Unbelievable. <laughs> so we, we ended up, you know, this, this process that we had in place, um, we were lucky to have that in place, uh, you know, and then CNN hit, which bumped it up even again. And then we had the NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt popped in and that bumped us up a little bit. You know, so we had we had these little bumps every time, you know, throughout the year that just increased it more and more and more of chapter presence that wanted to want to start chapters. And and, you know, and just working through 2018 and 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 still working through ironing out some of these onboarding processes has been a challenge. But um, but it's been fun, you know, and now and now we're faced with, uh, you know, then CNN came along. We were a hero, which was an extremely big honor. And then November 1st, they announced us as a top 10 hero, which was even a bigger honor. Um, just surreal, you know. And I was uh, obviously very excited to go to New York and represent Sleeping Emily Peace um, and all the people that were, that were, that are involved or were involved at the time. And, uh, uh, you know, felt very inadequate, but, uh, but just grateful that we, we, we could be there and, and I just wish everybody could have been there with us because, uh, you know, it's such a fun experience and, and everybody deserved it. the same recognition that, that I got. But um, it was neat. Wow. Yeah. So when you were there at the CNN for the awards, anybody in particular that you that you met that you maybe couldn't believe you were there in that space with with some of those folks? <laughs> well, some of the celebrities. I mean, when you walk up and there's uh, Ted Danson and his wife, I, you know, that was that was a surreal. Right moment that was really cool and and uh you know i met i met them all you know will farrell and john c Riley. yeah brian cranston was was my presenter well um and they 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 were actually designed to sit with this at the table so i was really excited about that when you're up there representing sleep and heavenly peace in that moment i know they're recognizing you but i i i know your story well enough to know that you know that you're representing a whole organization how many count in the chapters? Do you have any idea the numbers of Sleep in Heavenly Peace when it comes to chapter members that you're talking now? You bet. So each each chapter, we encourage, obviously, to build a team. And each team might have a build manager or a marketing manager, blah, 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 right? So th- those those members of the team get set up with an SHP email address so they can be a part of the internal communication and things of that nature. At the time, December uh, uh, 9th, we had over 450 SHP email addresses. So that's just those. Now, there's a lot of people that are part of the team that don't have an an email address. So I would would guess, easily guess, it was over 600 600 people that are either part of a team or just heavily involved. Like, for example, my my in-laws... Um, Heidi's parents heavily, heavily involved, have always been heavily involved. They don't have an, an SHP email address. So I imagine every chapter has quite a few of those, uh, hanging out there. So, um, yeah, it was, it was probably 600, if not 
more than that. Wow. So one bed in 2012, now 600 people inspired by the mission of Sleep and Heavenly Peace who are investing time and energy and extra time that they could be doing something else to play one little piece of a part to help out people in their community. Well, we, what's fascinating is, you know, we, we now have some software programs that we run to track things. And, and that's, what's really fascinating. You know, 2017 was our biggest year ever. Um, we had built 612 bunk beds. <clears throat> we did that in August. Um, <laughs> we actually ended up this year building 4,114 bunk beds in 2018 with over 15,000 volunteers, which I thought was, was really cool, you know? And so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that have been involved. A lot of people help grow and, and touch other people's lives. It's, uh, it's certainly, like I said, in the RTF, um, episode, SHP has always been bigger than one man. Right. And, um, and it, and it is, wow. it's, it's, it's bigger than one guy. So 600, you built 612 beds in 2017. And then mm-hmm. 2018 was 4,114 beds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a kick up. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here you go. This is, we went from 11, this is by year, 11 to 25 to 51, and then 51 to 77. It was kind of a slower year to 136 to 612 to 4,100. So we, we were doubling every year to to triple into 10 times more. And we actually, we're anticipating 2019 to be over 10,000. Wow. Kids. Wow. Yeah, that's 20,000 kids. It, that's unbelievable. It's, that's one of those statistics that is, that is awesome, but also, also heartbreaking at the same time. Oh, oh yeah. That, that need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. If you want to talk about bunk, uh, bed applications, you know, um, Unfortunately, we don't have very good stats of applications before 2018, but 2018 alone was over 20,000 applications. And each application averaged 2.2 or 2.3 kids. So that's 40, you know, probably pretty close to 50,000 kids that that were in need in 2018. Yeah, it's um, it's great that you guys are, are feeling that need. And it's also very revealing of how much of a gap there still exists and there's plenty of plenty of work still to be done. All right, Luke, 2019, you've you've had <laughs> all the growth we've talked about really the past 24 months. 2019, sleep in heavenly peace. What do you guys have? What's on the table? What are you guys planning? You bet. <clears throat> so we we are still pretty consistently averaging about 10 to 15 new chapters every other month. Um, we do trainings every other month. Like we have a training this Saturday. We have 15 chapter presents coming in from all over the country. Um, so we anticipate uh, about 180 uh, by the end of the year. That's how many chapters we'll have. Um, again, what we talked about, we anticipate doing over 10,000 bunk beds. But we got some really cool things coming on. Um, you know, we're working with Facebook. Um, there's, there's talk of we'll be aired and featured on um, the Today Show here in the not too distant future, which will be a good plug for us. Um, we're working with, um, large manufacturers like Caterpillar. In fact, I, I was on a, a conference call with them just before, um, we talked, um, of doing a big nationwide build with them. 
Um, one thing we're really excited about um, on June 15th, which is the solidified day now, um, is going to be our, our national build day. Uh, right now, we're actually we're actually working on the name. We've got kind of an, an internal contest on what we want to call that day. All right. But we want to be a, a national day where um, every chapter or as, as many chapters as we can will organize a build day and we'll build as many bunk beds as we as uh, as we can in one day. Kind of a kind of a fun day of end bedlessness or you know whatnot. So um, we have that coming down the pipe. Um, uh, so yeah, we've got a lot of we have the uh, disaster relief program that is now actually finally up on our website. Um, we were working with FEMA um, and the Red Cross and other agencies as a disaster relief program, which is separate from our normal um, local chapter programs. So you people can get online, they can donate to specific disasters that have happened or maybe just general disasters that happen where we come in you know, like the fire, the campfires in California will come in when they're ready and we'll deliver beds to the kids that were affected, the families that were affected. Um, so that is now alive and well. Um, and so we're, we're really excited about, about the disaster relief yeah. program, um, as well as internationally, you know, so we're, we have, um, over a hundred chapter requests in Canada. Um, we were just featured in Germany. So we have some chapter chapters that want to start up in Germany. So our goal by the end of 2019 is to have multiple chapters in countries, uh, different countries internationally, um, and uh, and and really um, one of one of our bigger challenges, obviously, is is the infrastructure and support that we need. Uh, uh, we we want to try to find a national sponsor that can help us uh, financially on the infrastructure of. Uh, SHP, we we get a little bit of interest there, um, but uh, you know we'd love to. We're always looking for for more of a national um, view and, and national support because SHP is that is our our goal is is a national and an international uh, platform where where we become a you know a, yeah. a household name to to supporting and su- uh, supplying right. beds for kids. Well, yeah, that's um. Big plans for 2019. I have no, I have full confidence that somebody, <laughs> there's going to be somebody come on board with you guys and support you guys into what's next for Sleeping Heavenly Peace. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I feel good about it. <laughs> what do people need to know? If there was something, somebody is standing there, they're at the port, they're looking to step out in faith into what it is, whatever it is they believe that they're called to do next, or they feel like that they're, they need to pursue something. If you were to give them some little piece of advice, what do the people need to know? You know, the the biggest thing I would say is number one, don't don't be afraid. Um, you know, and find find some some good people to help you. Um, SHP would not be where it's at today if I didn't have the support of my wife, my family, and and other friends. Don't be afraid to allow others. Um, to help you in, in your endeavors. Um, I did a podcast right after the return of the favor and, and the guy had just started his little podcast career, if you will. Um, and he liked the advice I gave, which was, uh, you know, accept criticism, accept and be willing to take, 
and 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 take take criticism from other people uh, that care about and and have the same passion as you. And we we try to implement that as best we can at SHP, knowing that I don't I don't have all the answers. I can tell you I don't probably build bunk beds the best way. Um, so let's talk about it. Let's see how we can improve it. If you have a passion that you want to help or want to get out or trying to or or have an idea, man, life is too short to sit uh, to sit on the couch and and not take action and. Um, and the best advice I give you um, is, you know what? If you want true joy in life, stop looking at yourself and serve others. My, my, one of my role models um, is my mission president, um, Larry Whiting, and he gave great advice. He says, whatever you do in life, whatever job you decide or career you decide to go after, always view it as a way to serve others. And you'll you'll enjoy it so much more. And that's so true because serving others um, brings so much joy. Uh, it brought, it's brought so much joy to me. Um, I think, uh, I think it's a recipe, a recipe for success. Wow, man, that's huge. That is awesome. That is awesome. Those are great words, man. Thank you oh, so much. Well, thank you for this, Jacob. I appreciate it. Today's show, Caterpillar Micro CNN Hero. And yeah, you took the time to talk the little bitty old The Love Period podcast in Cartersville, Georgia. <laughs> Man, we thank you so much. Could you could you tell folks where we could find you guys online and how we can connect and find out more information? Absolutely. And my, and my pleasure, Robert. This is or, uh, Jacob, this is a great this is a great opportunity for us to uh, to share with more people out there and your and your listeners. We appreciate your time to listen to our story. Um, you can find us at shpbeds.org, that's B-E-D-S dot org, where you can either apply for um, a, a bed for yourself or for someone else, or if you want to just learn more about our cause and our mission. Um, for those of you that want to start a chapter, um, you know, we have a, we have a link. Um, it's not on the website anymore, but it's shpbeds.org forward slash start hyphen a hyphen chapter be welcome to go there or if you want to just help locally find a chapter um, locally to you from our website um, connect with that chapter present let them know that you'd be interested in helping because i promise you they'll have a job for you and we're always looking for for good volunteers if you'd like to donate um, that's how we we run this thing um, you can go to our our store on shbbeds.org you can apply for and sponsor a child by donating the cost for a bed or a pillow or a mattress or, or just, just make a general donation. You can make a, a donation specifically for whatever chapter you want. Um, there's a drop down menu to do that. So lots of ways that we could use your help. Um, but, but just, just, just know that we you know, awareness out there and find helping us find these kids is, uh, it's probably the biggest way that you can you can uh, volunteer your time for SHP. Well, awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to share with our folks who listen uh, to get a chance to check out you guys and be a part of, gosh, just to be a part, to be tied in. You guys are doing amazing things. So, yeah. Thanks, brother. Yeah, Luke, thanks so much for just giving us the time. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, bye. Wow, just a, another another great story. Another unbelievable story on the Love Period podcast. 
Luke and those guys at Sleep in Heavenly Peace are doing an amazing thing, an amazing work, an amazing service for their community. You can find out more about them specifically on our, our blog for the Love Period podcast on the Orphan Aid Liberia website. We'll have links to their website uh, for Sleep in Heavenly Peace. That web address is www.shpbeds.org. They've got everything there. You can find out on their website. You can find out where uh, the nearest chapter of Sleep in Heavenly Peace is to you. They have 130-plus chapters across 40 states, so there's probably one close to your area where you can get plugged in. You can participate in a a bed-build weekend uh, when they do their bed builds. It's just a great way to serve your community and serve people who are in a tough spot. Thank you guys so much for downloading this episode of Love Period Podcast. Our show notes will be on the Orphan Aid Liberia website, orphanaidliberia.org. You can go on there and search the blog and see the show notes for this episode. We'll have all the links there. If you haven't subscribed to us yet in iTunes, please go ahead and do that. We're also available uh, to be subscribed to the podcast on Stitcher as well. Thank you guys so much for downloading this episode of Love Period Podcast. We'll see you next time.